So, right, we should be live now. Oh, there's four thumbs up, zero viewers at the moment, but... So, well, we can just, I don't know, shoot the shit for a minute or two, and then we'll just go with it anyway. Sure. Well, this came in the mail yesterday. Oh, awesome. And I see you, you've started in already, have you? Yeah, I got a, a ride yesterday afternoon around 5, and I didn't get around to reading till right before bed, so I got about... Ten pages in. Oops. <laughs> I got the delay on my phone. Yeah, it um, very interested so far, and I uh, only got about ten pages in though, so I'm I'm looking to read further, but we'll get there. It's, uh, it's a nice thick book. Did you have a, a chance to have a quick glance at the table of contents to get a rough overview? I only skimmed it. I did not look at it in detail. It looked very. Detail, though. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, there's. Uh, I try to be as comprehensive without being, you know, completely boring. Because after a while, you know, I, I didn't want to. For example, I didn't reproduce every single one of the sixteen documents. I just took you through the bits that were the heresy, and I said, "This is what it states," because those sixteen documents are available online. They're they're everywhere, literally. So, right. So it's like it would have just used up a lot of pages and a lot of would have made a lot more expensive when uh, there's just no need for it. But I have been pretty comprehensive in uh, especially chapter. <laughs> My editor was like, "What the hell, dude? Your chapter six is like 200 pages." And like, <laughs> yeah, but chapter six has to deal with the objections, the objectors, and right. the modus operandi of the deceiver. So there's a lot of stuff to cover. Right, right. <laughs> Think about it as subsections, <laughs> yeah. just uh, little bits at a time. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm real impressed with the organization of it. Um, and we're, of course, going to talk about this, but, you know, I'm, I'm vaguely familiar with Vatican II. I had to read about it uh, a good bit in seminary, but that was 15 years ago. Okay, so actually, um, but, we've got like almost 20 people in, so maybe that's a good point for for you to just give us a little bit of a, like, you know, how you, because you studied seminary, but I don't know what that means. I, I'm guessing it's not Catholic seminary. So Correct. So, um, after my undergraduate studies, I studied for two or three more years to get a, a master's degree in theology at a non-denominational seminary okay. uh, that I would say is about middle of the road theologically and politically, which I don't know if that translates into Catholic very well, um, but uh, it was uh, it was very hostile to my personal faith, just how they went about their studies, uh, how they viewed God, how they viewed the Bible, and uh, that's really where my criticism of Protestantism began, was in a Protestant seminary, in a lot of ways. So you were studying to be a priest, a pastor, or something, something like that? A pastor, yes. Which never happened, because I <laughs> went to seminary and lost interest in it completely. Well, you know, that's uh, funny enough, one of the, I think one of the quickest ways to make sure somebody doesn't become a Catholic is to expose them to the Novos Orco who are pretending to be Catholic because uh, that's pretty much what happened to me when I was like seven. 
I remember the exact precise moment that I made the decision that these people are insane and everything they're saying is absolute nonsense. And I was seven years old. Mm. And I pretty much stayed an atheist until about age 18, 17, 19, something like that. And that was because I read a lot of science, like a lot of astronomy, a lot of physics on my own, biology and stuff like that. And I started to realize that mathematically, the so-called atheistic position of, oh, it all happened by random chance, just doesn't hold water. You know, like pure maths, like sure. there's no way. So that's that's where it came from. But um, and then, but then I was an agnostic, basically a Zen agnostic, somewhat Buddhist slash Shintoism, because I took on the uh, quite sort of Japanese attitude of the the karate people, because I grew up with it. My dad was already a third dan when I was born and stuff. So, but then uh, what you know, and towards you know when I was in my. Uh, early, very early, 39, 40, around that age, when I, um, well, when I finished the Sistema book, really, which was in 2011, um, I come to the conclusion that I was a sort of agnostic with, uh, with some tendencies towards certain Christian aspects of, like, forgiveness and so on like that, because I thought they made sense. I could see a value to them having... You know, I was trained as a clinical hypnotist for a few years as well, so I could see there was value in healing people by things like forgiveness and ritual and stuff like that. But really, I would have stayed an agnostic for the rest of my days if it wasn't for uh, this road to Damascus moment, which I've described before. Oh, by the way, somebody's telling me that the guest volume is a bit too high. That's probably because my volume is a bit too low, but I can't do anything more about my volume. So Maybe I can yeah. turn my, my microphone down? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Helpful. Oh, okay, is that better? Just say something because I don't know if I can hear you now. Uh, yeah. Okay, no, good. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, yeah perfect. No, I think that's uh, we're about the same volume now. <clears throat> Okay, that was actually we, my my very first question. Number one, because um, I, I got as far as the uh, Zen agnostic background in the book itself, and so I think you already talked about what kind of led you out of the agnosticism. But what drew you to Christianity, Christianity generally, but then Catholicism specifically That's was. Uh, very, very good question because so my initial, um, I'll give a little bit of detail, but you know, um, it, you know, my, my road to Damascus moment basically happened because I had a situation where my daughter was um, <clears throat> removed from me by her mother, um, totally in a, in a rather rude awakening fashion, and um, moved to another country where I knew I wouldn't be able to get access and whatever. So basically, I didn't sleep for a week, uh, which I know most people are, you know, like Jordan Peterson, they're going to say, oh, I didn't <laughs> 25 sleep days. for 25 days. No, I, I've actually looked this up because, you know, I, I know it was seven days, um, and I thought, people are not going to believe this shit. So I actually went and looked at it. I believe the record is 11 days. Mm -hmm. I don't advise it to anybody. <laughs> it's not a good place to be. Right. But the reason I couldn't sleep was because my mind was just couldn't stop you know I mean honestly the, the level of mental anguish is such that 
uh, I would have happily eaten a bullet, not even a second of hesitation, except for the fact I've got a kid, so I've got to stay alive no matter what. But right. it was hell. It was the worst. I mean, I would have, if you told me do, do that again for a week or lose an arm, I'd be like, yeah, take the arm. <laughs> so yeah. Just, no. And I'd reached basically the end of my thing, and I sort of just lying there looking up the ceiling and thinking, well, shit, I, you know, I don't really believe in all the stuff, but whatever, if there is a God, saints, anything, you just help me. But it wasn't like a begging thing. It was literally like flat. You know, it was a genuine act. And lo and behold, two days later, I went to see this film called Cloud Atlas, which was very badly, it wasn't promoted at all. I didn't know what it was about. I had no idea. I just picked the poster because I thought, okay, it looks a bit more interesting, the poster. Then. And I had no intention of listening to that film, looking at it, or, or trying to figure it out. It's a pretty convoluted film because it's got like seven stories of people, past lives, all sorts of weird stuff. Is that the, the Tom Hanks one with all the different, they play the same character? It's not just Tom Hanks. There's a lot yeah. of... Right. And apparently what happened with that film was they ran out of money and the actors themselves kept funding it. That's why it didn't get promoted, because it wasn't done by any major Hollywood production house. The actors said, no, this thing is so cool, we want to keep keep it going. So that's that's the story I heard. Anyway, I watched that movie. It's like a three-hour film, but I, I watched it without even trying to follow it. I just like, bah, and I just let it go in. And I think that was part of it, because the sub-theme of the whole film is love to a certain extent, I guess. And when I, something happened, when I walked out of that film, I was walking along the river, and it's just like, I cannot describe, there's no way to put into words what happened, but it was like, the best way I can describe it in a sentence is probably like, I, I had an experience of what God is in so much as a human being can have that experience. It was conscious, it was fully aware, I've never touched any drugs, the fact that I didn't slept for seven days didn't matter a fucking thing, I was fully compass mentis, I wasn't hallucinating, you know, there was none of that shit going on. But it stunned the fuck out of me because after that I was like, well, so God is love and exists and it knows me personally. Well, what the fuck do I do now? I was wrong about everything. I mean, basically, the entire way I've lived my life, all the skills I've developed, all the practical ability I have in the world means absolutely fuck all. And the way I described it, and I was trying to explain it to my dad, was like, it's like there's a love world. You know, there's another reality and it's far superior to this one. And the only thing I was sure of is the law of physics, all that stuff doesn't apply there. You know, like in this world, if you want to go from A to B, you have to move your ass to go from A to B. In that world, you just sit where you are and you hum. <laughs> and yeah. B comes to you. And the minute you try to reach for it, you lose it. Because you have to stay steady. You know, I actually have a little book where I wrote down the rules because the only skill I had in that world was the skill I developed as a young child, as a hunter, which is to wait. Just quietly wait. You don't know shit. You don't know anything. Just wait. I couldn't even listen to music or watch TV or, or go outside. I, I stayed indoors for a week. I didn't leave the house. And I couldn't watch a movie or TV because an advert would have so much crap in it. Everything around us is so designed to push us away from the truth that it was just like, what the fuck is this? You know, this is this is totally corrupt. I mean, I was mm -hmm. looking at a, a jingle for tampons or something, and it was like, oh my God, the corruption, the disease, the sickness. You know, it, was, it was really hard to, to do anything. And then I slowly started, and I wasn't working at the time. Luckily, I was in between jobs. And I was just working 
I started writing, finishing one of the books that I was writing, and uh, I didn't put out a CV or nothing. You know, usually I've always been freelance, so it was like I would look for it. I didn't even bother. I was just like, there's no way I can be around people. And I had the weirdest experiences where I could like feel what human beings were thinking, feeling like 20 meters away from me. You know, it was like odd. And then I started to try, but I had some similar experience when I was in my 20s and I started to see auras and all sorts of stuff. And I sort of know how to contain this stuff because if you get into that world, you can get lost very easily. Uh, so I started to contain myself. And I, was, I remember that moment I was writing a book and I thought, well, I should probably, you know, put some CVs up. I probably need to start working again soon. And I looked out the window and I could see the reflection on the water on the river just shined in a way. And I got this absolute strong sense of like, just write your book. Don't, don't worry about that stuff. Mm. Like, okay, and I carried on writing. Half an hour later, I get a phone call. This guy called, picks up and he says, oh, I've arranged for a meeting for you for an interview on Tuesday. Are you available? And I was like, you know, I, I get headhunted like a couple of times a day some days and a couple of times a week for sure, you know. So I was like, oh, maybe this is one of the guys that I spoke to like a few weeks ago before all this shit happened. I, I don't know. You know, I said, oh, okay, yeah, thanks. Where did you get my... Because no, we spoke before. So I thought, okay, maybe it was one of the guys that I politely told to fuck off and he made them, I don't know, weird. Anyway, I went to the interview, got the job, and then I called the guy back. And I was like, listen, I'm sorry, but who are you? Like, what? He goes, no, 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 I'm the guy. Remember that we met. Like, you know, we, you, I got you the original job you had like six years ago. I was like... Yeah, I, I do remember you, but that was six years ago. When, when did you get my CV? No, 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 I used the same one. But did you speak recently? No, 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 last time I spoke to you was six years ago. So out of the blue, this guy organized an interview for me before he even spoken to me on a CV that was six years old. I was like, why did you think of me? Like, What made you pick up the phone? And he was like, no, I know you're a good guy. So I just thought, yeah, you'd, you'd be perfect for this job. I was like... But you set up the interview. It was just like the oddest thing, you know? Right, right. And then st I started to pay attention to stuff like that and prayer and whatever. So initially, I wasn't going for Christianity or anything. I was just like a deist, I suppose, for a brief period of time. I was a deist. I was like, okay, there is a God. He is good. That's all I know. How does it work? What? No idea. But then I thought, okay, but if he's a God and he's good and he's loved, that sounds like a Christian God. So let me start, you know, let me pick up this thick book that I've tried to read many times before. And it's just like, oh, old language and crazy shit, whatever. So I started to pick it up and uh, I knew I'd gone through in some detail elements of Genesis because of the Face on Mars book that I wrote. At which point in time, I was 26 years old and my working thesis was that the solar system has been seeded by aliens many, many years ago. They had a war. They destroyed the planet between Mars and Jupiter. They destroyed Mars and almost popped it. And the survivors came to Earth where there was already some hominids, probably of a lower rank that hadn't quite developed as much as the Martians or the other guys, whoever they were. And that was my working theory. And so there was passages in Genesis that resemble aliens, angels. You know, the story of Lot was one in particular, which I was familiar with. It was probably one of the few stories I was familiar with. And then I started to read the New Testament, and two things happened. The first thing was that I realized there's so many levels to this stuff. There was like, it was like a reading a brand new book. It was right. like stuff that I'd read before that meant nothing. Now, all of a sudden, had a meaning. And the other thing is that, because I'm extremely skeptical with this stuff, you know, so I was like, yeah, but that's just because your brain has got changed by the weird experience, so now you're trying to see meaning where it doesn't exist. But then I came across a passage in the New Testament that was reflective of the story of Lot. 
which I had interpreted as being something like um, uh, you know a, a the, the woman that turns into a pillar of salt being also on some level it is also a metaphorical explanation for looking behind looking into your past and living in your past yeah. results in nothing but tears essentially right and that same parable is essentially reflected and mirrored in the New Testament with some stuff that Jesus says and I don't remember the exact passage now but I went back to check on it and I thought okay this is something I can test for myself if it was my weird interpretation or if that's what it means and you know I read some various commentaries and whatever and I thought okay now that actually seems exactly right so then I started to lean towards the, the Christian God and then I started okay well which Christianity and so I started right. to read the history of that and of course I mean Protestantism was out the window within hours minutes because it was like wait a minute you've got one historical thread for a thousand years then it splits into two threads for another 500 years then a German guy comes up and after that guy it's like 40,000 threads for the next 500 years that can't be right right it's got to be one of those two and to be honest I was originally I, I was very against Catholicism in particular because of the pedophilia because anything I knew about Catholicism came from the Novus Orca not from actual Catholicism and they are right. absolutely disgusting Satanistic Freemason scum um, and, and I had a lot of Russian Orthodox friends because I was doing this martial art where the, it's essentially Russian Orthodox mostly. Um, and the Russian Orthodox seem pretty based. You know, they're, they're not cucked in any way. They're pretty right. hardcore and yet very practical. So I was like, oh, okay. Uh, so I was sort of leaning towards that end. But then the more I read, the more I figured stuff out. And I thought, no, nah, it's got to be Catholicism. But how the hell does this work? Because... They're such freaks. They can't. That can't be right. So I started reading to the history of that, and then I figured out. Oh, wait a minute. Vatican II happened. Oh, what happened at Vatican II? And then I figured that out, and then I realized that Vatican II was the takeover essentially, and the actual Catholics are a remnant. You know, there's only a few of us left. So yeah. I'm sorry if that was a bit long and boring, but um, no, that was yeah, that, that was very instructive. I think it's you know growing up. In Christianity, myself, in a very, you know, fundamentalist-type denomination, um, I don't know, I guess it's just, I admire the fact that you you saw the whole, you know, history of the church as instructive into which church to choose, um, which is one of the things in my particular place, I guess, that really... Uh, kind of is, is bothering me about, you know, where I am just in regards to, um, you know, there are so many <laughs> different denominations. Ever since I did that video a few weeks back, it, it's been, I don't know, like the, the passages in the Bible have just been coming back to me about the unity of the faith, the unity of the faith. Yeah. Um, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. I want all my followers to be one. And it's just uh, how much... Christian Christians in general have have missed that mark, but yeah, that's that's admirable that you were able to, you know, see that from the outset. I think that's a pretty easy um, conclusion to come to. Uh, if you actually read some of the old stuff, the Patristic Fathers, the you know, the, the, there are there are like three arguments really that you know continue from the Protestant side, and it's like you worship Mary. Oh, your Pope is just another guy. 
you know, they're so pathetic that after the 50th time that you've done it to death and crushed it, and it's like, go away. You're, you're actually mentally retarded. I don't believe, I honestly do not believe that a, a sane person of reasonable intelligence, okay, I'm not, if you're an 80 IQ guy, whatever, you know, but if, if you're like 105, let's say, not, you know, you don't have to be 120, 130, 150, whatever, 105 IQ with an ability to read and comprehend and say read a couple of paragraphs in, in a newspaper and rewrite them in your own words and they actually make sense and they re represent what you read, right? If you've got that ability and you start reading the history of the, of the church, I do not believe that there is any chance that you will go to Protestantism unless there's some emotional event in your life that's like skewed you to the point that it's like, you know, you were raped by Noah's Orco priest you're very right. unlikely to go and read up about the, the Catholic priests because you're going to say, well, they're all scum. You know, they're all child-molesting pedophiles. That right. was pretty much my attitude, and nothing happened to me. Certainly no priest ever tried to do anything to me or anything. Um, but if, if you're just looking at purely objective facts, I don't believe that a normal person can become a Protestant. I believe you have to be born into it and indoctrinated into it. It's the same, thing, yeah. same thing like a Muslim. No sane person of his own volition reads the Quran, the Hadiths, and decides, yep, this is it for me, unless there's something really wrong to begin with in their head, <laughs> you know, where they want to chop right. up people's heads and whatever, you know. It's just not normal. Um, so I don't think it was a particularly uh, difficult road that I walked. It was just, I was lucky in that I had zero you know, there was zero influence in my life from a, from a theological point of view. It was just like, sure. whatever. Yeah, I think that's a, a very interesting point um, from someone who has been in a lot of Protestant churches. First of all, you know, talking about um, just looking at it for what it is. The Protestants do not... I mean, and, I, and maybe, maybe I'm speaking too generally, but I think Protestantism are completely ignorant of church history, the Patristic Fathers, um, particularly of the first few centuries, which just get labeled the Dark Ages or something like that. I think that's one of the things that has me, or has had me so curious about Catholicism for so long, is reading about that, both in seminary and in my own, you know, personal interest is to see how seriously the early church of the first seven or eight centuries took the unity of the faith. Absolutely. And at the same time, were, you know, so persistent in removing heretics or, you know, trying to find the, the correct doctrine and saying, this is what we believe, and if you don't believe this, you're no longer a Christian, you're an Arian or you're, you know, Pelagian or, or whatever else you are. And then you get to Luther, as you comically pointed out, he wanted to bang nuns, yeah. so he creates his own, you know, thing. And I'm not saying that there aren't good-hearted people, many good-hearted people that are trying to pursue the truth. Yeah, yeah. But when they go to, you know, their their church on, on Sunday, or I go to church on Sunday, no one's talking about, you know, uh, Jerome or any of the church fathers or you know things that have been taught or how things were done. It's just we're just we're just looking at the Bible and we're interpreting it our own way and uh, all those other people out there, you know, they, you know, they're mess, you know, I, I don't know. It's like 
it's completely devoid of context. It's com de completely devoid of, of church history. They don't know their own roots, and they're taught that their roots are not important. Um, and you're right. I, I think that most of the people that I know either grew up within a non-denominational or Protestant church, or were like actively recruited by friends or family, and that's the only thing that they know. Yeah, I think that's uh, a fair statement, but um, I think we've chased off a bunch of people with my history. But anyway, um, I thought maybe we'll just go through your questions as you have them. If you, if you drop them there. Sure. Um, so I was uh, wondering, just after looking at your book for a little bit, uh, you're obviously, or you, you seem to believe that uh, most Catholics... Um, how do I word this? Are there are they are they not true Catholics, or are they just going through the motions? Or how would you define the general state of the Catholic Church? Because I would want to know yeah. if I'm interested in joining the Catholic Church on a on a yeah. you know person to person level. Who do I talk to? Do I go to a priest? Is there you know? So the 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 problem with the so-called Catholic Church is that since 1958 there has been no valid pope. All the popes right. that have been there since the 28th of October have been fake popes. Vatican II, which is 16 documents, 15 of which have direct heresy in them. And in Catholicism, by our code of canon law, if, if you promote and promulgate heresy publicly and notoriously, you are automatically excommunicated without anybody needing to say anything. So what this means is those so-called popes that produce the Vatican II documents you cannot become more public or notorious than by publishing a document from the Holy See, because it is meant for literally the entire world to read. Mm -hmm. So that definitely, you know, there are very strict rules about you have to be a public and you have to be notorious, heretic, pronouncing absolute heresy, and then that rule applies to you. And this is exactly the case. Now, once that rule is applied to you, there, there, are, there is another rule, which is anybody that receives you as not being a heretic or that continues to promote the same heresy that you do is also subject to that same rule and also becomes an extremely heretic. So what does this mean? This means that to all intents and purposes, every single cleric of the so-called Catholic Church right. is actually not Catholic because they're excommunicated heretics, not a priest of the church, cannot do valid sacraments, and the Mass, they changed as well. So even if he was in some weird way, somehow a valid Catholic, the Mass that he offers is invalid anyway. So what does this mean? That something like 90 plus percent of so-called Catholics are actually not Catholic at all. Now, how does that affect the individual, the person, the layman? So as far as the priests are concerned, they are essentially, they, they should all, in theory, know what they're doing. Therefore, the fact that they're a priest and they don't know what Vatican II did or said or whatever means they are criminally incompetent at best. So best case scenario for a fake Novus Orco priest is that he's not validly ordained, he's ignorant of Vatican II, he's ignorant of canon law, he's ignorant of Catholicism, and he believes genuinely himself to be a valid priest. All I can say to that guy is he is a fooled idiot who hasn't bothered to do his homework at all. It would be like 
you saying, I'm, I'm, I'm a pilot. I'm a plane pilot. I got me the hat. I got the hat. I can fly a plane. Because I got the hat. Right. The pilot gave me the hat. I, I can fly the plane. You know, it's literally that level of retardation. Now, for the layman who doesn't know any of this stuff and intentionally doesn't know it because the Vatican II stuff was designed to not educate you, to destroy the catechism of the church. So they've intentionally fooled a bunch of people that honestly, genuinely believe they're doing the right thing, but they're not. They're not, they're not having sacraments done properly. They're not, uh, they're not even acting as Catholics in essence, and they are unknowingly accepting these heretics as valid clerics, which is not right. But as to their particular position, I don't know. I think, you know, due to mercy and charity, you cannot necessarily call them heretics because they are not public, they're not notorious, and they're not knowing, in many cases, most cases, I would say, they're not knowingly heretic. But they're also not Catholic. And plus, if they got baptized any time after sort of 1960, Chances are that they got baptized by a novice or priest. Now, for baptism to be valid, you need only two things. The intent and the form need to be correct. An atheist can baptize you. An atheist who doesn't believe in God, but says, no, I'll do this for you because you're my friend. Oh, fine, whatever. You're about to die. I'm going to baptize you the way you want. Okay? Here you go. I'll baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's it. You're now baptized. But... That's an atheist who, through ignorance, is in complete error and whatever, but his intention is clean. But can you say the same of a novice orco priest, who by mm. all intents and purposes, logically, you have to assume, knows and is intentionally trying to deceive you. Even if he isn't, the prudent thing to do is to assume that he's intentionally trying to deceive you. And as such, why would you trust his baptism? How do you know he didn't just spit in the holy water, piss in it a little bit before... And fucking says, pronounces one of the words wrong and does the cross upside down, you know. Right. You don't know. So that's the situation for the layman at best that say they're in danger. Now, right. who is still a valid cleric? Well, those bishops that refuted Vatican II and uh, created other bishops. So, um, and there is a very clear line because... Remember, Catholicism is apostolic succession, so a bishop has to have been validly ordained in order to be able to validly ordain another bishop. And if a bishop becomes a heretic, then they, they're not allowed, they're not permitted to do any more of the sacraments and so on, therefore they cannot make more bishops. Sure. But if they're not a heretic, they can. Now, there are various rules and whatever. One of the rules is like, oh, you know, one of the things that the Protestants and like uh, morons like Jay Dyer like throw at you is like, oh, but only the Pope can decide who's a bishop. Yeah, that's true. Only the Pope has the authority to decide who's a bishop. And guess what? Throughout the 2,000 years of the Catholic Church, most bishops were never positively confirmed by the Pope because bishops used to happen all over the place and it was just assumed that the bishop. Now, if the Pope, Ten years after you've been made a bishop, figures out, I don't like your face. No, you're not a bishop. Then that's it. You're done. You're not a bishop anymore. But that very rarely happens. It used to happen sort of in the Borgia time because then it was a very political thing. And uh, one pope would suddenly make a bunch of bishops to be on his side so that, you know, when he dies, his nephews and cousins and whatever become cardinals and so on. So when the next pope came up, or when, the, when one of the fake popes, because there were fake popes throughout the Middle Ages, wins, 
he would get rid of all the other bishops and say, no, 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 none of you guys are bishops. All my guys are bishops now. So, you know, it was, sure. that, was that going on as well? Yeah. Um, so, I guess, is there, I guess I'll read this in the book more as I get deeper into it, but um, I'm assuming that there is a, a certain, is there an organized resistance in this, in the, in the Catholic it's, movement, or is it kind of just grassroots, or how is it? Semi, it's semi-organized, because without without the valid Pope, uh, bishops, priests, they have no jurisdiction. All jurisdiction stems from the Pope giving the bishops jurisdiction. So a bishop no longer has a so-called diocese. They will act, whatever they are, whatever they stand, as I think it was Irenaeus said in, you know, the year 100 or something, where a bishop is, there the church is. You know, as long right. as there's one priest, there's still the Catholic Church. Sure. Um, so they're they're kind of they are in connect in communication with each other. There's some slight infighting. Then, then you've also got you know some bishops are like authoritative freaks that want to have power, and and they're more interested in that than in being pious bishops. Um, and they try and agglomerate everything under them with the fake authority that they believe they have, which is, no, canonically, you've got the same authority that I do, you know, so, right. yeah, you're a bishop, but don't push it, buddy, because, you know, the minute yeah. you're trying to tell me what to do and how to do it and when to do it, about who I go to get sacraments from, no, fuck you, so you've got no say in that. Right. Um, so there is, and there is a little bit of those church of power types, they, they have a little bit of infighting here and there. But by and large, um, that's a problem about amongst possibly some bishops. There's certainly one bishop in particular, which I won't mention out of charity. But everybody that's watching this channel that knows me knows who it is, who's uh, you know pushing his uh, authority, pretending he's got moral authority, which is there is no such thing anywhere in canon law. So you know it's like. Um, but by and large, the priests certainly um, that I've met, that I've encountered, that I've taken sacraments from, that I've attended mass with, they are proper priests, real priests. They are. Uh, they their interest is in saving souls. I mean, these guys, they are not wealthy. They barely scrape by, and their churches are packed, like standing room only. People standing outside of their little chapel. Um, often they don't even have a physical church, so they will uh, they will use a room in a in a you know like a seminar room or that sort of thing in a hall or an hotel or whatever. And it's like standing room only. Lots of young families, babies everywhere, and they're growing. You know they're growing exponentially to the point that Bergoglio has tried to fire a few cannonades at the so-called traditionalists. You also got to keep in mind there's fake traditionalists. These are Novus Orco, you know, I call them Novus Orco because from Novus Ordo. Novus Ordo was the new mass. The new mass is yeah. completely invalid. There's a papal encyclical called Quo Primum. It's like a page. It's in the book at the end, which tells you this is the mass forever and ever and ever. And nobody can change it. And if you try and change it, you're a filthy heretic and you're trying to destroy the church. So, yeah. you know. Be straightforward. And what did Montini do? Oh, well, let's just change the mass. Well, you know. So... That's why I call them Novus Orco. They're the new orcs, you know, same as the old orcs. Gnostics, Freemasons, Satanists, so they're all there. But um, there are fake traditionalists that are, you know, like Tay-Tay Marshall, that uh, Taylor Marshall, doctor, let's not forget the doctor. Doctor, doctor. Yeah, and <laughs> doctor, E. Michael Jones. These guys are grifters. They're just fake Catholics. They're not Catholics. They don't care a damn thing except their pocketbook. And... 
you know, that they're pretend traditionalists. Uh, listen, there's a very simple way to find out if somebody's a Catholic or not. Is Bergoglio the Pope? If they say yes, they're not Catholic. Is Ratzinger the Pope? If they say yes, they're not Catholic. Now, there's a lot of deceived Catholics that thanks to people like Anne Barnhart are saying, you're right, Bergoglio is not the Pope. Ratzinger is! Like, <laughs> fucking retards. No. And all those people are going to have a very rude shock sometime soon. Because Ratzinger is in his 90s. He's going to peg off pretty soon. And guess what? Once he dies, uh, well, oh, you're a celebrationist now, just like us. Yeah. And Anne Barnhart is on record on a podcast saying, oh, it's completely different. If, if Ratzinger dies and we're left without the Pope for like 45 minutes, that's not the same as 62 years. Why would it only be 45 minutes? Right. Well, has got another good 20 years in him. So, yeah. where's the cutoff point, Anne? Is it 25 years? Is it 26? Is it, yeah. you know, it's nonsense. There is absolutely no logical basis for it. So, that's essentially why. Um, is, so is there, I, I'm just, I'm asking this one a little bit out of just curiosity, do you see some type of, for lack of a better word, an inquisition coming within the church itself to purge itself? Or? That's, that's why I wrote the book. I mean, all I'm missing is an army, dude. If I had an army, I'd be marching <laughs> right now like the emperors of old. <laughs> right. A little yeah. bit more I, bloody, though. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, no. So the, there are, you know, the, I, I have a link at the back of the book of where to find proper churches and uh, and so. Oh, okay, on. good, good. Link. So yeah, um, it's in the resources section. You know, you, you got, okay, you got a you got a couple of websites there that'll direct you somewhere. Um, and oh, I can see this. So let me just quickly catch up with the messages here. See what anybody's saying. Oh, when the good guest leans a bit away from the mic, the echo fades and the sound drops a bit to a more pleasurable level. Okay. Oh, so we can see your full body. There you go. Yeah. As a non-denominational Protestant, this is James Erickson, one thing that Kurgan said that really got me thinking is when he said that the sola scriptura of the Protestants is do as thou wilt. It is. It's absolutely do as thou wilt. It's interpret as thou wilt. What, what is the rule? You know, like we had this within the Dredil. There was a guy that I was gunning for because he said some shitty things that, you know, you can say whatever you want to me about me, whatever, but the minute you go after somebody I give a shit about, I will not stop until you're dead or you get on your knees and beg. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, he, he, he kept arguing against the, the Catholic position. And I said, like, give me what is your rule for being a Christian? How do you know that you're a Christian? What actually, what is your defining characteristic that makes you a Christian? And guess what his statement was? Recognizing that Jesus is Lord and uh, that he's my Savior. Oh, great. So you've got exactly the same standards to be a Christian that demons do. Right. Demons recognize Jesus as Lord. That's right. it. That, that, that's, that's, your, that's your rule? So we can't actually differentiate between you and an actual demon. Okay, then. You know. Right. There's got to be a bit more than that, right? Right. It's just got to be at least two or three rules, you know. I don't know. I mean... I think it's been distilled down in the uh, non-denominational churches so much as Protestantism is always... I mean, it's in the name. 
it's always a reaction to something that was not liked wherever they came before. Now, originally that was the Catholic Church, but no, no, but protesting this, no, begets more protesting. I, 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 w I would argue that because how many Protestants do you know that rail viciously against the Orthodox Church? Uh, I, a lot, I guess. Yeah. Against I mean, I'm not, not railed, Orthodox. I guess, but you know, if you... against the Eastern Orthodox Church, how many Protestants? Oh, oh, uh, oh! I, I don't even think most Protestants know what the Eastern Orthodox Church is, at least in the United States. Right. It, Maybe one or two that rail against it. They all rail against who? The Catholics. Yeah. yeah. And to me, that that's also another thing. You know, everybody's firing at that one guy. You got 150 people in a room, and they're all shooting one guy. I'm 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 curious. I want to know why. Right. Why are you all shooting at that guy? Why is he the bad guy? What did he do exactly? Right. Oh, he was here first. <laughs> oh, the book that you're complaining about, you put it together. He handed you the book. Then you changed it. Now you want to kill him because what? You know? That's really interesting. I never thought of it that way before. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Let me just quickly catch up just in case there's any quick question. I just got you. I'm sorry. We're both rambling. I'm a rambler. So you got to, you got to, it's your job to hold me within the lines. I'm listening though. I'm enjoying this though. Get a room of 100 Protestants to discuss one chapter and you will get 100 opinions on interpretation. Headache time. Yeah, <laughs> That's from Escat da Silva. Bergoglio is wanted for crimes against humanity in Argentina. Somebody needs to take him there. I didn't know that. Is that real or is that like one of these conspiracy theories? Anyway, the guy should be absolutely burnt at the stake as far as I'm concerned because he's been promoting and protecting pedophiles from day one. And as far as I'm concerned, you protect the pedophile, you get to join him at the same stake I set fire to you on. There you go. And Schooley goes, even Wrangler Star came out today saying that it's time to defund the church. Absolutely. Well, the, the fake church. Then I was, he was very upset. I've only watched like five minutes of Wrangler Star, and uh, he seems a pretty cool guy, but I don't know much about him. Uh, okay. Here's my prediction for the next pope. Christoph Maria Michael Hugo Danian Pater Adalbert Graf von Schönborn. Uh, he will be an anti-pope. If the next pope is not from the Sede Vacantist, Sede Probationist school of thought, then he will just be another imposter. Do as thou wilt. Satanism in plain sight, indeed. Monkey God goes, all very convincing, Kurgan. Well laid out. I don't think you could ever convince the Polish. John Paul was not Pope, and that is a shame, as Poles have a lot of faith. Yes, uh, but, you know, the Polish have got an average of IQ of about 14, so... Yeah, you, you just gotta name the next Pope John Paul III and tell them he's Polish, and that'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> you got Polak jokes over in Europe, too? Oh, dude, I... I no, I'm, I'm. this is from personal experience, I mean... All right. <laughs> I've done a video that they banned immediately. It was like video 114, but it's on, on BitTorrent about the nations, the different types of people. The Polish are just too easy, you know, because you can't even make jokes around them. They laugh a week later in church, so. <laughs> yeah. No, but look, the Polish are, you know, they're a simple and based people, so. Whatever. Once Good married, man. Yeah, they'll, they'll go along with it once you get a proper, proper Pope. Um. Torrent Thorm says, if only the Pope can truly denounce the bishops, believers would need to establish a parallel church. No, listen, the, the, 
The only way that you're going to get a real pope now is basically with divine intervention, because the, what I'm trying to do is insane, but, you know, I've done a lot of insane shit that's worked out. So basically what I'm trying to do is wake up enough Catholics that they realize, wait a minute, Bergoglio clearly is not pope and neither is Ratzinger. And if enough of those guys wake up, then we're like, you're not clerics. Get the fuck up. And that's really what we need to do. If you've got in, if you've got a majority, and by majority, I don't mean, you know, that's about 1.2 billion Catholics, nominal Catholics, right? You don't need 800 million to, to think the way I do. You know what you need? 100 million. You've got 100 million Catholics thinking the way I do, we're going to take over the Vatican. Because we would, live, like a proper Catholic would not hesitate right now to put his shoes on and start walking to Rome. Just like they did in 1095 to Jerusalem. I have no hesitation. If I think that there's a chance that we can do that and win, we will push into the Vatican and throw them out, physically throw them out into the street because they do not belong there. So that's all you need. You don't need the supermajority. You need 100 million convinced Catholics. And of that 100 million, you probably only need 10 million that are like me. That's it. We're enough. You know, as long as the other 90 are, like, supporting us, it's fine. And then, and only then, can you then vote in a proper pope. And we don't even have enough bishops, probably, right now, to, to, to make the original 70 that was, like, at some point, one of the popes said, look, we need 70 guys to be the cardinals. And then that was changed to 120 by one of the fake popes. And then it was changed to, like, oh, you can't vote if you're over 80 by one of the fake popes. So, you know, to, to get rid of all the guys that actually knew what was going on. But there's no, nothing that says, you know, at some point there must have been three bishops, and that was it, you know. So, and there's nothing in the past that can be invalidated by the future in Catholicism. The, the past cannot be invalidated by the future, and vice versa. The future cannot be invalidated by the past. So it has to be a continuity. So if we get rid of all the fake clerics, which is not going to go peacefully, because these guys are... You know, they've got money, power, their ass in butter, and all the little slave children, sex slaves that they want. So you're going to have to, by force, remove them from their seats and set them on fire in St. Peter's Square. That's honestly what I believe that would do it. You know, if you burn them at the stake in St. Peter's Square and mass and say, right, now the Vatican has got rid of them. Now we have to resacralize the whole thing from top to bottom. Oh, and we're going to hunt out the rest of you. As soon as we're done cleaning up here, we're coming for the rest of you. Unless you leave now, run. Maybe, you know, because if, if you don't get rid of all these scummy pedophiles, you're not going to have the Catholic people saying, oh, okay. And then those three or four or ten or fifty bishops or whatever they are, between them, they can vote in a new pope and it's fine. There is another possibility, which canonically, what I just said is what should happen. What could happen, which would be very interesting, because it would be, again, as a Catholic, we don't think in binary terms. Take Vigano, right? Everybody's going, oh, Vigano, ho, ho, hello. He's saying, oh, the, the Vatican II was, was wrong and we should, oh, he's the new guy. Yeah. Vigano is a coward that kept his mouth shut for 50 years after he was ordained. And by canon law, even if he totally repents and he absolutely admits that he was a coward and he admits all of it and gets on his knees, you know what's the best position he can have from here on? to be sequestered in a cloister, in a monastery, to pray for the rest of his day, repenting for his sins. That's it. Come to the mm. Mass, has authority over no one. So that's what canonically should happen. 
But what I'm thinking might happen is if that guy gets enough push behind him and all the other Catholics go, yeah, yeah, he's a cool guy, make him Pope, he will still be an illegal Pope. He will still be a fake Pope, right? Because of all what I just said. Right. But if once you make him Pope or even before or whatever, he does repent and he says, no, you know what? These guys are Freemasons. I knew it. I was cowardly. Now we get rid of all these guys. And he does that. The minute he repents and he admits all of that stuff, he can be a Catholic cleric again, canonically, with authority over no one. So canonically, he is illicit, but he would be valid. So he would be a valid but illicit pope. I know that sounds really weird to a Protestant yeah. mind. Because he's a valid pope, but in theory he doesn't have the authority to do anything. Okay. But once he's pope, you know what I mean? People will listen. Right. And if you do make right. him pope and he gets rid of all the other guys, the thing is that the other guys means literally everyone that was a Novus Oracle. Now you're saying, oh, but what if they repent too? Yes, and they would. A lot of them would try and do that. And that's where you've got to stick to canon law and say, no, 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 no. We're making an exception for Vigana for now. For now. We're getting rid of all of you guys. We're getting in proper priests and popes, even if there's only like a dozen. Better to have a dozen real priests than, you know, 2,000 of you scum. And then Vigano resigns and says one of you guys becomes the next pope. And hopefully they pick a pope of piety, not of power. To be fair, even one of power would be okay, because one of power would just push forward. The problem with one of power is he would allow him back some of the Freemasons by mistake, not by intention. So you get a piety-type bishop, but it is super hardcore. You get like a, another pious tenth, who's just like, nah, heretics, out. You get a guy like that, then you can save the church. Now, I don't believe that this is going to happen thanks to humans, but as we've seen in the last few months, the world can change on a dime, so who knows? Right. Do you think it's going to be the burning at the stake rather than St. Peter's? Oh, that's that's what I'm saying. I mean, if I'm... Honestly, if, uh, you know, if there is a new Pope and, and he gives me the, the, the thing to say, look, we're going to make you Grand Inquisitor as a layman, that would be fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> And people are saying, oh, but, you know, you're just... No, I'm actually saying I would set a lot of those pedophile heretics on fire. No, not a, I would sleep like a baby. I would have zero, zero remorse about it. Right. You know, one of these priests that, that Bergoglio protected in whatever... He, he was a guy with a homosexual with AIDS who raped over 30 children. He wasn't even defrocked. Hmm. You're telling me I would have a sleepless night if I set that guy on fire? No. Not even if no. I have to hunt him down myself. It's fine. It's, you know, it's it's wrong. And by the way, burning people at the stake was a civilizing and it was a charitable thing. The reason you burn them at the stake is so that in those two hours that they're burning alive, they've got a chance to contemplate their sins and possibly atone for eventually go to heaven. Sure. So... You know, if you just shoot them in the face, you don't give, not giving them a chance. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, one other question that I had, um, I, I know that you, you know, know Vox Day, and I don't know the extent of you all's relationship, but I've been following his blog for a couple of years, and he seems fairly convinced that um, 
you know, there's going to be a great fall in Western civilization Absolutely. just from all the collective sins that, you know, we've, we've you know, just not, and I, I tend to subscribe to that. Yeah. And so I would ask you, how important do you think church unity is as the Catholic Church was the, you know, what upheld civilization after Rome fell? So what do you see its role over the next two decades, assuming that all the things that you just talked about with the purge comes true? Well, there's a reason. Uh, that's one of the reasons, and actually I'm seriously considering it. That's one of the reasons why I put this out in paper first. And one of the reasons that I've got the missile, and one of the reasons I've got the, 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 the um, Catechism of Trent and the Code of Canon Law in physical form is precisely because I expect civilization to go down the toilet. Um, and I see the role of the Catholic Church as being one of two possible roads. One, if it is the end times, we already know what's going to happen. There's only going to be a few pockets of us left. They're going to persecute us, kill as many of us as they can. And even the last few that are left would lose the faith if it wasn't for the fact that Jesus returns right at the end. If that's where we are, I plan to be one of the guys that stays alive right to the end and doesn't lose his faith. That's my aim. That's a good plan. Um... <laughs> If that's not where we are, and this is just one of the many troublesome times, then I don't see that civilization would go anywhere without Catholicism being resurgent. And this is one of actually, I haven't discussed this with Vox. I mean, Vox and I are friends, but he's busy. I've been to his house several times, uh, but you know, now we're traveling and everything, and plus I've got a new baby on the way and all sorts of stuff going on. So um, I would very much like to have a long conversation with Vox about theology. The times that I've been there just hasn't really happened. We've, we've, you know, I've took snippets out of him here and there. And as you know, Vox is a Protestant who quite clearly says it doesn't identify with the Catholic Church, although he respects it very much for its historical past, blah, blah. And one of the things that I would really like to, to find out from Vox, and uh, you know, maybe I'll ask him one of these days and see what he says, is... You know, he's an intelligent guy and he's a strategist. Part of the, you know, it's not, it wasn't a defining reason of why I became Catholic, but absolutely, in my mind, I'm like, well, if anything is going to save civilization, it sure as shit isn't going to be a bunch of Protestants suddenly getting together and saying, yeah, we're all Christians. They don't right. do that. They pay lip right. service to that. They say we're all brothers in Christ, but they're not. And guess what? The type of brothers in Christ I'm talking about is the guys that are standing literally shoulder to shoulder with men getting killed next to them and saying, no, fuck you, I'm Catholic, I'm not giving up. I'm a Christian, I'm not stepping back. Now, are there individual Protestants like that? Yes. Are there individual Protestants like that that would stand next to me as a Catholic? Them staying a Protestant and me staying a Catholic, and that would do that? Yes, there are. But they are not the majority, and they're not cohesive. Mm -hmm. There are a lot more Catholics that would do that next to me, even though they're not men like me. They're not, you know, I'm built to do that shit. I, I was born that way, whatever. My soul is shaped that way. But I know Catholics that are normal people that are like, oh my God, I've never fired a handgun in my life. I don't want to be here. But they would stand there. And their wives would be standing in the, in the row behind them, feeding them ammo, okay? So, and that is because we're Catholic. There is a unity in a Catholic church that I I never experienced it. I wouldn't have believed it. 
Okay, before I became a Catholic, if you told me that, I would have just thought you were talking absolute nonsense. The same like before I came across one of these Russian guys that could do whatever the hell he wanted with me after I'd done 20 years of martial arts hardcore. And he told me, you know, this guy can punch in the stomach and you can't breathe. And then he just goes like this and he takes it away without touching you and you're not in pain anymore. I just said, listen, fuck off, buddy. I've been taking and giving punches for 20 years. Don't talk shit. But they did. And they did it to me. And I felt it on my body, not more than once. <laughs> so it's like, okay, I don't know how it works, but it's real. Yeah. You know, and this is the same thing. Once you get into that Catholic community, there is such a huge, strong bond that comes from from. I believe the sacraments. I actually genuinely believe that doing the Mass together, you know, as Catholics, we believe that the, the, the host spiritually clean, you know, makes you a better human being. It's it's like you're covered in dirt and you eat the, the body of Christ and you sort of like, ah, a lot of your dirt goes away. And the, the more regularly you do it, the sort of cleaner you get. And the more you do the rosary, the more you pray, the cleaner you become. And there is a science to praying. Now, I can say this because, as I told you before, I'm extremely skeptical. I'm a hugely skeptical person. You wouldn't believe. You know, it's very hard for me to, to explain to somebody how much of a skeptic I am when they see what a zealot I am, right? And I am, and I'm an, an absolute zealot. But that's because, you know, like Paul. Paul was an absolute zealot, and then he got converted, and did he change? No. He was an absolute zealot before. He stayed an absolute zealot after. He just... Changes his methodology, but didn't change his path, you know, his way. And I'm kind of the same. So, but it would be very difficult for me to try to explain to somebody how skeptical I am. And I test everything, you know, like even Catholicism, I test it. I test how does prayer work. What is this? What is the rosary meaningful at all? And man, I'm telling you that, and I'm, when I say test, I test it in the proper scientific way, not like the monkeys that they're calling scientists now. You know, somebody from the 1800s who writes down in his book, same time, the same, yes, the room temperature's the same, yes, we're in the same thing, and this is what I did, and this is what I did slightly different. And you record that, and you do that for like a year before you even think of having a theory. And that's what I've been doing. And there is an absolute and definite way to pray that produces results. And it's very difficult to explain. Um, there is an absolute truth in the sacraments making you a better human being. And that is without a doubt. It's um, what I can relate it to that maybe is easy to understand is like martial arts. You know, we had the dojo in the, the karate dojo that I trained in. We had like five rules, which I don't remember off the top of my head, but it was like be loyal, you know, don't don't be an asshole kind of thing, you know. Sure. Um, don't start violence, you know. But I mean, the rules in my dojo were like in, in Europe, you couldn't have that because it would be legal. In our dojo, the rule was like, if you bleed, you clean up your own blood. If you get knocked out, when you wake up, you carry on. You know, that was like, and if a higher belt decided to beat somebody up, no one would say anything. If a lower belt tried to beat somebody else, nobody would say anything. But there was a hierarchy. So if some low belt guy, who you know, maybe the guy's been, he's young, he's 25, he's been training somewhere else for 10 years, and then he comes in and like, yeah, I can take out this like, 65-year-old third-hand black belt who can barely walk, but he's been there since day dot, you know? And then, like, this young guy beats that, that older hierarch hierarchical guy up. Nobody will stop it. They'll be like, yeah, he beats the old man up. And then it'll just coincidentally happen that that young guy is going to get the shit kicked out of him by pretty much everybody in the class. Right. <laughs> at right. some point. Yeah. They'll be like, oh, it's that guy. You beat up the old man. All right, I'm not an old man. Bang. 
<laughs> and it would be done in a way that everybody would understand because he'd be like bleeding, begging, like, no, no, get up. We're not finished. We're not finished. Get up. You know, it was like, I mean, I've seen people cry. I've seen people vomit. You know, there was all sorts. And, uh, but this was the thing. We, a lot of dojos in, in South Africa, like you go and see them, and they'd be like, oh no, you have to fill in this questionnaire. You have to answer these questions because we will train you to have lethal weapons for your hands. And we can <laughs> only train the best and only the good and only the nice. And the... we were like, uh, some guy crawls in with a knife scar and goes, I've just managed to mug an old lady to pay the fees. Can I come train here? We'd be like, yeah, come in. Within six months, that guy would be dead, left, or be a better person. Right. It was nothing else that could happen. And nobody died. They either left or they became better human beings. Because that was the process. The process would beat you straight. You couldn't become a coward. You couldn't stay a coward because you'd be beaten more. You couldn't right. avoid it because it doesn't matter how good you are. I mean, for my grading, I, you know, I had like... For the, for the for, to get to the black belt for a year they beat the shit out of you and every evening session you get a brown belt you get 10 15 black belts in front of you on a line and they all doesn't matter how good you are maybe you can fight two three five <laughs> by the time you get to 15 i mean i remember one time i couldn't literally lift my leg anymore to kick i was tired i couldn't move i, I could barely punch and this the, the last guy in the line was this german guy that was a foot taller than me <laughs> <laughs> and I, I literally I couldn't move I just was like oh, I ran at him sort of stumbling avoided his punches managed to grab his gi you know because I it was the only I couldn't even punch him I managed to grab his gi pulled him down and I hit but <laughs> I was like fuck you know that is, that's not a technique <laughs> it was just like I couldn't breathe anymore you know but that's it if you stay there and you put up with that you become a better human being because you've been through all that. You've seen the other guys go through all that. When it's your turn to go through it, when you see another guy go through it, you know what he's going through, and, and you become a better person. You're just like... Is that the uh, Catholic Church community parable there? Yeah, it basically is because, you know, you go to confessions. Like, uh, you know, again, another thing, Protestants, oh, you don't confess to other human beings. Listen, you know, again, it's like they don't think. Do you honestly think that as a Catholic we think like, Oh, well, if I don't confess to the priest, God's not going to know. Yeah. Got away with it again. Duh. No. Yeah. Obviously, God knows everything you've done. The fact is, you go confess to a priest every week. And that priest, by the way, priests, a lot of priests were put to death rather than break the sacramental oath of the... of the. Because if you tell... You can tell a priest anything in confession. They cannot repeat it to anybody else. They're not allowed. And a lot of priests have died rather than break that seal. Interesting. It's it's very powerful. Now, you know that you have to go and confess to your priest, right? Now, can you lie to your priest? Of course you can. Then why would you bother? What's the point, right? Why would you even be Catholic then? Why, why would you even go? If you're right. going to lie anyway, stay at home, you know? So now you're in a shop. Teller gives you the wrong change. Give you an extra $10. You're like, ha, going to keep. Oh, fuck. No, sorry, you made a mistake, here's your $10. Because otherwise, come Sunday, you're going to have to say, yeah, the, the teller gave me $10 extra, and I kept it. And the priest is going to say, well, when did you realize that you got an extra $10? Oh, right there and then. Uh, why didn't you give it back? 
Ah, because I'm a stingy, greedy bastard. Uh, yeah. Go give it back, you fucker, with some interest, because you had to wait a whole week for me to tell you. I mean, what the hell? You know? <laughs> so right. it makes you a better person, because when you're about to do something, you're like, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe I won't. <laughs> Yeah. And, and and plus the communities of other people like that, and they, we all plus you confront yourself with other people that are just as sinful as you are, if not more. So you're like, yeah, dude. I, by the way, you know, the other day I got the ten dollars. I had to give it back. I really hated giving it back, but I knew otherwise I was just gonna have to confess. And the other guy says, Ah, oh, don't worry, it happened to me too. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you become brothers by default. You know, I mean. There are some Catholics that I wouldn't have a cup of coffee with. Actual Catholics. I'm not talking about Novus Orchid. But when you're in the church, you know, it's like the Kurgan with MacLeod. We're on sacred ground. And you'll notice in the film, the Kurgan respects that more than the MacLeod guy. They twist it at the end, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, sorry. Again, I'm rapping. You need to stop me, man. You need to be rude and just tell me, shut the fuck well, up. I'm, I'm enjoying listening. But yeah, I would say that uh, you know, the Catholic Church as an institution when talking about whether you're talking about theology or whether you're talking about discipleship or helping people become better people that uh, an institution that's been around for 2,000 years probably has a much uh, better way of doing things and trusted way of doing things than the church that's been there for, uh, you know, six or seven years and oh, is just trying to reach people or whatever else. Here's an interesting tidbit for you that's not in the book. The Roman Empire lasted roughly 800 years and is considered the longest running empire of human history. The church has got another 1,200 years on top of that, pretty much. So, they're doing something, right? <laughs> it's been around, yeah. Okay, so I've got a couple of other things here. Uh, national nationalist nationalist I like that name he must be another Venetian uh, <laughs> says Eastern Orthodox was never mentioned in 12 years of my Lutheran education Catholics were attacked all the time yeah thoughts on humane vitae uh, none right now because I don't remember the, the, the um, I don't remember the Latin titles and if it's one of the is that a Bergoglian one, or is that one of the Vatican? I don't think it's one of the Vatican. I don't know. Give me a reminder of what Humana Vitae is, and I'll maybe refresh my memory. Julie Bear says, what are the chances the Vatican actually picks a true pope? Slim to none. The Vatican cannot pick a true pope because nobody in the Vatican is actually Catholic. There is not a single person within the walls of the, Catholic, of, of the Vatican that is actually Catholic. Not one. Maybe a tourist by mistake, you know, but the guys that live there are all absolute uh, Satanists. Bingo Poppins, I always thought it was because Orthodox was not as prevalent or influential in the same countries. Well, that's true because the Orthodox just kind of sit in their own little place and don't bother to, uh, you know, do the holy go the, the, the commission that we're all asked to do. Escat the Silva, the chances are the next Pope will be the anti-pope. He's going to be bad. Well, they've all been bad. So far, Bergoglio has been the worst anti-pope in the history of the church. And I've been saying that for years now. Um, and, you know, people that don't know any better go like, oh, there was bad popes all the time. I mean, one guy was a homosexual and he had orgies. And the Borgias, oh, the Borgias are bad dudes. Listen, a pope that has homosexual orgies or the Borgias, so what? 
he's committing sin. He may well go to hell for that. But he didn't change the doctrine. He didn't try and turn Catholicism upside down. He made all his nephews cardinals and he, you know, sure, all sinful stuff, but he didn't actually change Catholic doctrine. Bergoglio is the worst pope that has ever lived. Well, fake pope, anti-pope. Schooley goes, in my decades in Scandinavia, nobody talked about the Orthodox at all. Catholics usually got a shrug of shoulders because of lack of knowledge and sudden change of subject. In a negative way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tar and Thumb, I follow your thought. It does sound as there would be a need for a martyr of sorts to take on the initial hit on the chin for true Catholicism. That's almost on par with divine intervention. It is divine intervention. Because God likes to use broken tools. I mean... Honestly, guys, you know, without trying to sound fake humble, I, I don't suffer from false humility. Never been a problem with it. If I can become Catholic, anybody can become Catholic. Trust me. Because I have done some pretty wild shit that definitely not good <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a Christian. So, and, and God loves to do that. He loves to use, like, broken tools and, and like... I mean, the first four people that saw Jesus after the resurrection were women. And keep in mind that at that time, the witnessing of a woman was worth half that of a man. He went to the weakest people first. You know, the, the whole point, I, I quite like uh, what Milo says. You know, Milo is a, is a confirmed homosexual, fake married to another guy. But he says he's Catholic. He's also half Jewish, so you got to watch him. Yeah. But, you know, one thing that he says goes, well, you know, I don't know about the rest of you, but I know that the only religion for me was Catholicism. Because I know what a sick fuck I am. You know, no other religion could possibly have me. I mean, maybe you can be a Protestant, but me, I'm really bad. So I need to be Catholic because nothing yeah. else will do. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, kind of true. The fall happens in 2032.95 of Western civilization. It will fall for 4.5 three years and then China will be the boss 2037 okay that's the kind of eschatology I avoid absolutely like the plague because if not even Jesus knows the hour I sorely doubt that Mr. De Silva on the internet has got it right although I will say that 2032-2033 has been bandied about in more places than I care to mention and it's looking that way so hmm. Protestantism is the first building block Satan needed to put the whole structure of modern liberalism that put God far behind individual rights. That's from Dwayne Thundergrid, and that is absolutely right. Escat de Silva continues, If this is a the time, then I cannot lose my faith, as I know what's coming. I will have a big smile on my face if they decide to execute me. It will be glorious. Well, in theory, it will be glorious if you are a proper Catholic. Because if you are a Churchian or a Novus Orkian, well, then you're done. Another thing that I think this Escat the Silva guy said as well, and some other moron that left a comment on my blog, was like, well, but if you're right, if you're right, there's only a handful of Catholics left. By a handful, I mean, you know, probably a million or something like that. Or, or, I don't know. There, there's like about 400 churches around the world. But there's a lot more of us than, than there are churches, you know. So sure. I, I, I would put it in the hundreds of thousands at the very least, probably. But compared to, you know, 1.2 billion, that's a very tiny number. I said, well, well but then that, that's too small a number. And I, I got to stick with the majority. So wait a minute. That's your rule for whether you're Christian or not? 
stick with the majority. I mean, do, do these people even read the Bible at all? I'm, I'm no Bible reader. I'm no Bible theologian. Okay, I barely know that there's four Gospels in there, right? I'm not that far from that. But it's in the Bible. The yeah. road to hell is wide and well-traveled. So let's go with the majority. I mean, right there, yeah. you know, what the hell? And, and besides, what God goes, is not democratic. Yeah. I mean, like, Christianity was started with, like, four women and 11 scared men. <laughs> what the fuck? And it took over the world. So it's about the truth. What is true? That's what matters. Right. Humane Vita by Paul VI. Oh, I wouldn't know anything about it because Paul VI, Montini, Giovanni Montini, was not a pope, was not a Catholic, was an absolute Satanist scumbag Freemason who destroyed uh, the Mass and who actually published physically all the Vatican II documents. So he's an arch-heretic, never was a Catholic, never will be a Catholic, died in mortal sin, and is probably burning in hell. And uh, nothing he wrote is of any consequence at all to any Catholic. Because what you're asking me uh, is the same thing as saying, um, a, an Eskimo monk of his own pagan religion wrote a transcript about what the Catholic Church should do. What do you think? What's your view on it? Uh, is the paper too rough to use as toilet paper? If I'm Arctic <laughs> or, you know, it has absolutely no bearing whatsoever. So I wouldn't know what it says. Oh, Paul the Sixth encyclical on contraception. Contraception is a very um, uh, and Escat the Silva denies he made the comment. All right, good, good. Um, no, it wasn't you that made that comment. It was it was another guy. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to to blame you for somebody else's stuff. Um, oh, on contraception. So, see, this is where I can chastise myself and show you that I'm, I'm not the arrogant prick everybody thinks I am. I'm uh, slightly less than that. But see, in this book over here, oh, there you go. In there, I mentioned that the Pope, which at the time was the Nazi guy, Razzi, Razzi the Nazi, was obviously an idiot. Because, uh, or maybe it was John Paul, I don't know, one of them. Because um, they had recently said that contraception was not allowed even in Africa, where AIDS was rampant. Keep in mind, I lived for a time in a country where to get into the army, uh, the defense force tested you to see whether you were HIV positive. And two years later, they tested them again. So all of the ones that had gone in were like AIDS-free. Two years later, 85% of them were positive. Wow. So, ten, I mean, my father had a, a security company there, and he lost 10% of his workforce. And by lost, I don't mean resigned. I mean, went on the ground because they died from that disease. And uh, so it was, you know, yeah, like 700 employees and 70, 80 would die every year. It's just ridiculous, you know. So for a Pope to say, no, condoms are evil sin, in that book, at 26 years of age, when I was an agnostic, Zen agnostic type of guy, I said, well, obviously the guy's a cretin. Although in the same book, I also say there must be an overall intelligence somehow behind everything. Now, I have lived as a pretty hedonistic and capable guy, and I've been with a lot of women. And the idea that contraception is not to be used was absolutely ridiculous to me. It was complete 
nonsense. Until I started to read the Bible after my cloud atlas moment, and I started to, and I, and I came across uh, Ephesians, and I read that, and I remember again the precise, I don't remember the date, but I remember the precise moment. There are some pivotal moments in my life that I, you know, will never forget, and this was one of them, where I understood what the relationship between a man and woman as husband and wife should be according to the Bible. And the moment that thought hit me, I was like, it was both the best thought and the worst thought, because on the one hand, it was like, oh my God, this is beautiful. This is like, I remember this kind of idea when I was about four, and I played with Susie in the garden, and, and I thought it was so cool. She was my little friend, and that's like when you love your dog or you love somebody, you know, you like your kid. You're like, it's completely innocent. It's completely pure. There's no ulterior motive. There's no lust. It's just beautiful. Oh man, that, that is great. And you can have that as an adult. Oh my God, the thought never even entered my head. That's so amazing. And at the same time, I swear to God, my conscious thought was like, of course, in terms of distance from where I am to this, I'm not even in the same galactic supercluster. I mean, I'm not just light years away here. I am billions of light years away from this. I thought, there's no way I'll ever become this or be able to live like this or whatever. And I didn't for a couple of years, but then things changed. God is mysterious in his ways. And now, you know, I'm full-on Catholic, married, and, you know, no, contraception is absolutely evil. It is evil. Because contraception is what was, by the way, even the Protestants accepted this until about the 1920s and 1930s. Then right. they sort of started to say, oh, no, contraception is all right. Well, guess what? And at this, around the same time, divorce suddenly became okay. Although, although divorce was, you know, Luther was already okay with it. But it still took another three, 400 years to make divorce even remotely acceptable, even in the Protestants. And it was really the Americans, which is a Freemasonic-founded country, by the way, right. to, that sort of started accepting divorce. You know, in Europe, even as a Protestant, divorce was just really badly looked upon. But why? Because if you have contraception, then sex is just for fun. And if the sex is just for fun, well, do you really want to stick with this guy who doesn't make you come that well if you're a woman or whatever? Yeah, find a better guy, find a better woman. So then divorce comes acceptable. And if divorce becomes acceptable, why should you have to be married before you even have sex? Because I might as well test it out. I'm going to wear a condom, you know, let's see if she really is good in bed or whatever. Right. And then once, essentially, sex becomes a sport, having a kid gets in the way of your sport, doesn't it? So then abortion comes in because, oh, well, I... Uh, I like banging you, but jeez, nah, I don't really want to actually spend time and have a conversation, or I, God forbid, live with you. Jeez, you're, I can barely stand you once we're finished having sex. And, you know, I've, I've been that guy, I've been like, and I've had women like that too, you know, that's like, yeah, well, cool, well, yeah, half an hour, all right, we're done now. There's, yeah. there's the door, don't let it hit you on the way out. You know, and that's why you get abortion. Which, of course, degrades the entire society, because by the time that a society accepts abortion, you're actually accepting the murder of babies. Right. And I'm not innocent in this, because I've, you know, I've been involved, I've been the other half of uh, a few abortions, not, not one or two, four, to be precise. Mm. And that was all before I was Christian, but that doesn't matter. That weighs on me. You know, that's there. That's not going away. Uh it is what it is. I mean, I got baptized, and in theory, all my sins are forgiven. But I, you know, it it, it is. So weighs on you. Yeah. Well, it it should. 
Right. You know, but again, I'm not one of those Catholics that like gets on his knees at night and with his cat of nine tail goes, oh, mea culpa, mea culpa. <laughs> no, I'm going to do, I've done. The, the wrong things I do, I'll do the wrong things and whatever. I'll push through. When my time comes, I will take all my floggings. And if that means I don't even get into heaven, you know, I certainly hope I at least squeeze into purgatory. But I know that even if I get into purgatory, I'm going to have a shitty long time there. So, you know, let me try and do what I can while I'm here because I, I'm not one of these people that thinks, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm fine. No, not, that's a Protestant thing. I know I'm not fine. You know? Right. Yeah, that's complacency. Yeah. Uh, There's a few more questions, I think. Since high school, they've been trying to convince us, Gen Z, that natural contraception is good in one of the four Catholic high schools in the country. Okay, look, you know, I, the thing is, if you're Gen Z, you're probably pretty young, and you've got to be careful because they're trying to get Gen Z people, young people, to get pregnant so they can have abortions. That's in the book. There is a passage in the book, and there's a link to an archive thing where one of the people from uh, Planned Parenthood that left and eventually became a Christian said that that was their modus operandi. They gave these shitty weak pills to like teenage girls telling that they have to be taken exactly at the same time every day, otherwise they don't work. And who's going to do that as a teenage girl? They're going to miss it. They're going to forget a day. They're gonna... And they do that on purpose so that they get pregnant and then they'll come for an abortion. And then they sell the parts and they make money. It literally, it's, you know, that's, that's what they're doing. It's absolutely intentional. So you've got to be careful about that because, you know, like I was watching, I mentioned this in one of my last, I was watching uh, PKA, you know, I, I don't know if you know who they are, but they're basically these three, no. gamer, they're three gamers that like do YouTube videos. As a guy, the guy who used to do FPS Russia shot all the weird guns, a crazy, I used to watch FPS Russia. He stopped that because he got done for, smoking dope and they took all his guns so he can't shoot anymore he can't own any guns but they're still quite funny absolutely sort of heretical you know they've uh, they, oh, kyle and the other guy grew up pretty religious but they are now completely atheistic non-believers um and they still have fun but i i sort of relate to the the kyle guy because you know he's a pretty wild character and i, I sort of understand you know guns women and in his case, drugs. I, I focus my efforts, you know. <laughs> guns and women. Gun, that's it, you know. And really, women more than the guns. I mean, you know, yeah, the guns was just incidental with the martial arts and the other stuff. But right. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's, I under, sort of understand. But, like, um, uh, I forgot what I was saying now. But I don't know why. <laughs> I go off on this tangent. Somebody will remind yeah. me. Yeah. Oh, natural contraception. Right, sorry. So natural contraception basically means that you pull out or that you do it when it's not her period of ovulation, which can work. But if you're like me and uh, like my wife or like some of the other women I've known, I basically look at a woman at 50 yards, I can get her pregnant from just, you know, it, I don't know, man, my, my sperm definitely works. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> And uh, uh, what is the, the the real Catholic doctrine on that? Is that approved? Because my uh, I've kind of had some convincing that uh, even as where I where I've been, I guess that contraception is evil. Um, had two kids in two and a half years, 
Uh, <laughs> our wife's at least a little bit concerned that she's pregnant right now. Again, uh, even though we have a three-month-old daughter, but yeah. I, 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 I'm literally just purely out of curiosity. What is the Catholic doctrine of so the, like? The Catholic doctrine is that uh, you can have sex, um, you know, when she's not ovulating or whatever. It's not that you have to have sex only to make children specifically, but uh, you shouldn't prevent the child from happening. So in other words, if you're right. banging away and it's not her time of the month to get pregnant, that's fine. But if she does, she does. And right. you know, the time to get pregnant, yes, you can measure it and temperatures and all that stuff and you can be pretty accurate. But you know, some hardcore hardcore priests will tell you that like even trying to like measure that stuff is not right because then you're kind of trying to avoid it sort of thing. But, again, look, I mean, I've got a lot more shit to worry about on my back than that stuff. I mean, you know, when it comes up there and it's like, and, you know, that time you kind of did it on the wrong day. I'll be like, yeah, <laughs> that's somewhere, you know, that's like in the 40,000 plus items at the bottom of the list. You know, there's, <laughs> I've got other shit at the top. There's more important like, things, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's, there's going to be a lot of stuff that are like, you know, by the time it gets to that, I'll be like, really? You can't that one? <laughs> so yeah um, you know I don't know I think that's a little bit also personal sort of uh, choice or whatever and maybe changes with time because look I can't say you know I can't tell you right now I am where I am um, who knows maybe 10 years from now I'll be happy to be a martyr for the cause I am not and I've always said it I, I prayed for that I said like God please don't make me become a martyr because that's just not my way man you know, right. if, if I have to go down, then at least let me go down taking a lot of enemies out. You know, like a hundred right. to one is okay. I can deal with that. You know, <laughs> if I take a hundred of them out, let me take a few people with me. Yeah, you know, that's. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm not the, that. Uh, what is this batter NFP naturals or what? I think that was what I was asking about timing sex around women's cycle to avoid pregnancy. Yeah. That sounds a bit Welsh, sheep. <laughs> yeah, it's a natural family planning. That's what NFP stands for, guys. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, you know. But yeah, look, you know, we're, my wife's pregnant again, and uh, she wasn't really planning for it, you know, but like when she told me, there was another thing, you know. I mean, I remember my previous experiences with the bad stuff that happened and whatever. Um, you know, I'm pregnant was not something that you wanted to hear. I was sort of like, oh, great. Now what do we do? You know, that was kind of the feeling back then when I was a lot younger, different situation, whatever. This time, although, you know, this pregnancy certainly wasn't planned, we, we had other plans to do all, all sorts of other things that, so this was really kind of a spoke in the wheels from a practical sense. But when she told me, I was like, well, I'm really happy. How about you? <laughs> and she was like, <laughs> so it was like, you know, and I know that sounds normal to, especially I think somebody like yourself is probably thinking, well, duh, of course you'd be happy. You know, I'm guessing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But for somebody like me, that's like that Kyle guy I was talking about. Who's like, yeah, no, when you grow up, you definitely want to be able to not, you know, use contraception and that. But, and I see a guy like Kyle, who's an intelligent guy and whatever, that guy is either going to get on the right path by choice because he wakes up one day and he realizes he's fucking wrong or God will come along and go, hey, 
See this stick here now? I've been giving you all the signs, but you're a bit thick-headed, so pack. <laughs> <laughs> and then you wake up, and you're like, oh, I was wrong about everything. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, man, I'm rambling on. If you got, you could just fire those questions at me and give me like 30 seconds to answer, and that's that. Uh, let's see. How important in your mind is church unity? I, I guess you have a lot of plans for the, uh, or a lot of you know ideas and, and plans for the yeah, Catholic right. Church itself. That's what do you, how do you approach, besides mocking them, how do you approach uh, Protestants in general? I mock them. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I do believe in church unity, and I believe there is only one true church. Sure. If you're not in it, get in it. Uh, sure. I mean, I've made a couple of videos where I think the title is Catholic or Get the Fuck Out. You know, that's actually the yeah. title. Of the video. I, actually, I actually saw the title of that video. Yeah. I was interested in, I didn't get around to watching it, but I was very intrigued by the title itself. Well, that, that's my attitude, because it's like, you don't count. You're not going to count. It, it's like saying, let's put it this way. We're, we're like, you know, as Christians, you are soldiers, right? And we are enemies, you know, we're behind enemy lines because this is the domain of Satan. It's not the domain of Jesus Christ. This is the domain of the enemy currently. And we are working for the other guys. So we're outnumbered, we're outgunned, we're not in our land, and we're behind enemy lines. To me, that means it's a target-rich environment. Mm -hmm. But we are scattered. Um, because there's the, the Protestants who think they're Christians, there's the Orthodox who think they're Christians, there's the, you know, I'm intentionally being offensive, right? And there's the churches that think they're Christians. So you've got all these zombies going around with like a half-torn uniform going, oh, a Christian! And then when the enemy army comes, which is organized, they may have painted blue hair, be all fat and be on motor tricycles because they can't walk, and gay and, and flamboyantly half naked and dressed in rainbows, but they're organized. They're organized, they're organized yeah. And they come at you. What are those guys going? Oh, they're just going to get eaten up by the fatties. They're going to crumble. They're going to get run over. And what I'm saying is like, look, there's like 10 million of us spread around this enemy land, but I've got 10 guys. You put on a proper fucking uniform, give me 50 push ups, show me that you can actually fire a gun. You're going to become special ops. You're now in my team. Because 10 of us, armed to the teeth and knowing what we're doing, we can take out 10 battalions of those fatties with blue hair. And that's what we're doing. And when, when one of these zombies comes up to me with a torn uniform that says, I'm a Christian too. I'm like, shut up. Smack him in the face. Get rid of him. Don't want him near me. Right. Retards get left behind. I don't want retards. I want Navy SEALs that are like, all on the same page where I am, where when as, as a little unit, we're charging us 10 guys. If I get shot in the head minute one, the other nine carry on completely as nothing has changed. Right. And right to the last man, they have to carry on like that. Basically, I want Leonidas 300 because that guy, and, and there's the proof, by the way, 300 men changed Western history. Right. They died to a man but they changed Western history. And this has happened time and time and time and time again. You don't need massive armies. What you need is absolute, fanatic, telepathic zealots that are all on the same page. And that's what yeah. I want. So, you know, when you're telling me like, oh, well, you know, you're being kind of rude. 
yeah, it's never mind Catholic, dude. Once you're Catholic, my next question is like, have you got a pair of balls on you? Are they your own? Did you get them stitched on or, you know, were you born with them? How are you at drawing and firing? What's your elbow like? <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and it progresses from there, you know. So, yeah, I absolutely, ab absolutely for church unity. And, right. uh, you know, I'm, I'm intentionally abrupt and I'm intentionally rude and offensive because yeah. if you're the kind of guy that gets upset by this Kurgan guy telling me that I'm a sick, not Christian, no, I'm, I'm a good man, I'm a good Protestant, I, I believe, fuck you, you're not good enough to be in my club and, and chase them away. That's right. Because if you're the kind of guy that gets upset enough by that to want to go away from me, run, run. I don't want you anywhere near me. I want right. guys next to me that when they're missing half their face because it got shot off by a shotgun, they're like, it's just a flesh wound. <laughs> Those are the people I want next to me. Those are the guys that are going to change stuff. So, yes, Catholic, number one, and then all the rest, you know. And look, right. I know that there's going to be, you know, my wife's not one of these people. I don't want her to be one of these people. There's other Catholics I know. They're not like that. That's fine. You can be in the kitchen making the bread for the soldiers. You can be reloading the ammunition. You can be sending money to some one of the guys that we need to get out of somewhere. Whatever, you know. It doesn't. I know that I'm a minority creature, and people like me are a minority creature. It doesn't matter. You know that it doesn't mean the other guys don't count. But for what I am wanting to do. I want zealots. I want 100% confirmed zealots because 10 zealots will change the world. 100 right. lukewarm good people are going to get trampled. And I, right. don't, I don't want those 100 good people to get trampled. That means I need 10 guys to go out there and trample the things that are trying to trample them. Right. Because, again, you know, it's a bit of a platonic, Plato-type idea, but it is a very Catholic idea. You know, in my simple mind, there are, you know, like Vox has got a whole hierarchy of men and whatever. And I've got like three. There's like alphas, betas, a whole slew of whatever kind, and then the scouts. And the scouts are guys like me that can go into an enemy encampment and pretend to be one of them and whatever. But all I want is alphas and, and, and scouts because what, what I'm trying to do is to protect the citizens. I know I'm not a citizen. You know, if you put me in a perfect planet, I've, I've thought of this. If you aliens land tomorrow and they make everything rosy clean and everything is good, I'd be bored as fuck. I'd, I'd generally be thinking, is there even space? For, maybe I need to remove myself from this environment because I don't know if I can be that good. But in the current environment, well, people like me have got a duty to protect the nice people that can stay comfortably in their city-state. And we go and make expand the realm, you know? Yeah. So that's how I see it. Um, I was one. I think my final question is is going back to. I don't know if you remember my video, but um, I mentioned the fact that I think it's a very Protestant notion. It's a very American notion, also that I think one of the things that my culture has not prepared me for with uh, Catholicism would be the centralized authority aspect of it. Oh, oh yes, I do remember. And but um, yeah. the, the and I got to thinking more about that, and I'm wondering how much do you think, perhaps, that one of the big problems with the church unity in general is 
the uh, the reluctance to accept authority. Um, yeah. When we're all protesting, we're all trying to get our own way, but like that's not the way that culture used to be. That the hierarchy you were just talking about, like that's not the way it used to be structured. We have a, a fundamental problem with accepting authority. Yeah. Anywhere. Well, that, that that's I actually, you what you thought about that. I on, I genuinely believe that that's ninety percent of the reason why Vox is not Catholic yet. <laughs> yeah. Give it time. <laughs> Because yeah. because of the problem with authority, Vox has got extreme problems with any authority. Um, right. But you know, and I, I was the same. You know, my uh, the idea that I would have to s subject or become subject, you know, somehow subservient to another human being who calls himself the Pope was absurd, absolutely absurd. Until I realized two things, that Catholic thought, you know, the papal infallibility that the Protestants rail against, has got nothing to do with the Pope being a good person, or an infallible, even more ridiculous idea. The Pope is absolutely not infallible. What papal infallibility means is the Pope is infallible thanks only to the supernatural protection that Jesus Christ gives the Church when he speaks on items of dogma. In other sure. words, when the Pope says, you know, if uh, you do this, you become a heretic, and I'm telling you that is the rule from the, for the Church from now on, that is not going to be flawed. Now, the interesting thing is that if you read, you know, and at first when I heard this, and mind you, I'd already been baptized by this point. And I heard this, I was like, yeah, right, but dude, I'm sure if I go and read all the 50 papal encyclicals from the last, you know, 200 years, I'm going to find some contradiction, dude. I'm going to find it. I, Well, I haven't yet. And the reason, the reason I haven't yet is because the code of canon law, and I'm not going to find it because I doubt I'll do any better job than Cardinal Gasparri. Cardinal Gasparri looked at 7,000, around 7,000 church documents to make sure that none of them, you know, were against each other or somehow didn't work, to produce the Code of Canon Law. And then, after they had the Code of Canon Law, they spent the next 30 years asking any cleric to send in any questions they had or anything that didn't gel with some other document from the last 2,000 years. And guess how much they changed in that 30 years? They changed one canon. Sorry, they changed a part of a canon. Part, no two, part two of canon 1099 was slightly adapted, which has to do with marriage and whatever. That's it. That's the only thing that had to be adjusted a little bit to make sure that there was no contradiction in the whole history of the Catholic Church. Now, if you're telling me that that is a human creation, I'm going to laugh in your face, because if that's not a miracle, I don't know what is. Yeah, I... And the papal encyclicals do not contradict each other ever. Now, some of them are subtle. And another thing that Protestants don't understand, because they're coming from a worldly mindset, really, is uh, Catholic law is based on Roman law. Roman law has got principles, and that's it. There's no precedent. Precedent does not change the law, which is... Completely different in all the other law systems, especially any English-speaking law systems, are all precedent changes the law. So we've got principles, and you follow the principle, but you apply them as per each case. And depending on the case, again, I, the best thing I can relate it to is martial arts. I was in dojo classes where a guy broke my nose, and I was like, that was a good punch. 
and in the same class, different day, different guy, he tries to punch me in the face, he misses, but I beat the shit out of that guy, because that guy had a different intention. The other guy yeah. is just going hard, he's my buddy, and he's like, yeah, I got you, you should have moved, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but he wasn't trying to hurt me, it just happened. So, right. you know, and this is the same, that the intention matters, and uh, the rule in Catholic laws is, you know, you can say, oh, but there's always an exception. It's not really that. There are different rules. There are rules that are divine rules. That's it. They're done. You don't change them. And then there are rules for the running of the church, which those can and do change. For example, you know, like one of the popes said, no, there's going to be 70 cardinals to vote the pope. And from that day on, there had to be 70. But if, you know, they got nuked and now there's only 10 bishops left, does that mean the church is destroyed? No. Because in the past, that was okay. So this is a worldly rule for the running of the church. Things have changed. Fine. You make do. You know, you go back to, to the old ways. So there's that as well. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. Okay. I don't want to keep you too long. I don't know how long we've been going, but it's been a, oh, nearly two hours. Sorry, man. Yeah. It's really... Okay, so let's quickly just go through. Any, if you have to go, just tell me. I yeah, don't... Uh, I know you're checking on the kids in a little bit, but it's been a great conversation. <laughs> uh, look, if I'll stick have, around to the end. If you have to go, go. If not, stick around. But uh, do do what you need to, man. Don't worry about it. It's, I've been wait. I've been walking as far away from Catholicism since I was 22, and had absolutely awesome experience with God, and actually started reading God's Word. And you're telling me I should go back? Uh, no, Laurie, Laurie, I'm telling you that you haven't got a clue what Catholicism is. Because you have been raised in the Novus Orco. The Novus Orco are not Catholic. They're, you know, Bergoglio is not Catholic. Ratzinger is not Catholic. None of the anti-popes since the 20th of October of 1958 were even Catholic, never mind popes. And all the clerics that operate under those people are not Catholic. So, uh, yeah. No, I'm not telling you to go to the Novus Orco. I'm telling you to find out what Catholicism actually is. And... There you go. I'm going to pump my own book. Lori, there you go. Get this. If you're not sure. Yeah. There you go. Oh, where are you? There. Just Google that name on Amazon. Get this. It'll explain it all. Uh, okay. I saw the hypocrisy way back then. I'm now 57. Yeah. If you're 57, you've been raised in the Novus Orco, right? Unless you're 85 or so, you have never attended an actual proper mass as a Catholic. And I've not wanted to belong to any religion since way back then. Having a relationship with God personally is awesome, absent of religion. Well, you can't have that. So you're just lying to yourself, lady. I understand that, you know, being spiritual and honest and true is certainly a step up in believing the fakers uh, of the uh, of the Novus Orca Church. But I have been there too. And uh, sorry, you're just wrong. Yep, Pew and Bear repeats what I said. That goes against some... It, w they're not Catholics. Laurie, you, you came in halfway. I don't know why you're on this channel if you don't know that I'm a sedeprivationist. Read the book Believe. It's simple. It's 98 pages. That'll give you the, the basics. Uh, okay. Well, there's, there's, a, there's a female arguing, so we'll ignore that and uh, move on. 7,000 documents impressed. And everybody is now trying to educate this woman, Lori, who doesn't know anything about Christianity or Catholicism. So, really enjoyed the rambling and great questions. 
Yes, I've seen the evil in the Vatican. Well, duh. Lady, wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Slap yourself in the face. Wake up. Listen. Yeah? They're not Catholics. Wakey, wakey. Uh, I can see I'm going to have to ban a few people soon. <laughs> I just don't know, don't know how to <laughs> do it on the, the live chat. I don't know how to do it on the live chat. <laughs> oh, Thank you very much. You have to deal with it. There's like... Uh, Key combinations or something. It's complicated. Yeah, no, sorry, sorry if I uh, rambled on, but um, yeah, it was good, good talking to you. And I'm, I'm really impressed with people like yourself who have, you know, been raised a certain way and yet start to question it and, and look for answers. That's that's impressive. I don't know that I would have ever been able to do that. So, well, I'm sure that I will be emailing you questions as I read the book. I'm very excited to read it. You, you go uh, for it. Thanks for, the, thanks for the conversation. It's been great just talking and hearing your perspective on things. Uh, I learned a lot today. When you when you got more questions, we can do another one if you want. You, you let me know when. Okay, sounds good. Thank you, sir, for hosting me. Cheers. I'm going to let you say bye and quickly have a, a few goes at these guys. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Bye, everyone. Thanks Somebody's wrong on the internet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cheers. <laughs> Bye. No, I don't think you have been woken up for 34 years. So I'm going to ask you a question now. Are you a sedi privationist? Do you attend? A, have you ever been to a Catholic church? Where the priest is somebody who rejects Vatican II? I'm talking to you, Laurie M. If you've been subscribed to me for a while, I don't know what you're talking here is, is, is nonsense. Let me just go back to the default screen, see if that works. Uh, oh, how do I do that? There. Ah, there we go. Ah. Uh, okay, I don't know how to do that stuff. Very enlightening. Okay, I don't know. Lori M, your messages are different from what you seem to be saying, but yeah. Cat, you know, Novus Orkins are not Catholics. Get that idea clear in your head. So, okay, that was it. I think it's nearly two hours. Uh, sorry about that, but uh, you know how it goes. And there's 42 of you now. Okay, if you've got a question, shoot it now about anything. It doesn't have to be about Catholicism. Since you've all been hanging around this long I figure even a gamma I'll give you a gamma question I'll give you at least one gamma question without banning you outright how's that yeah okay haven't gone in a long time so go and speak to a priest that is actually a priest that is actually Catholic I talk about this a lot. I've mentioned the link on uh, ecclesialuxvera.org where you can find an actual Catholic church with a Catholic priest. And, uh, okay, no, good. Uh, sorry if I went a bit hard at you, but it was seeming to me like you didn't know what you were talking about. So, Kurgan, mention once again why rosary is a good prayer. Uh, there's many reasons, many, many reasons. Favorite Chesterton book? All of them, uh, I don't know. Pretty much everything I've read of Chesterton is, is awesome. So I, I wouldn't say I've got a favorite. I like them all. Um, okay, why the rosary is a good prayer? Uh, a number of reasons. If you are just repeating it as a chant, kind of like a, a, 
a Buddhist monk or something. It's not as effective and it's not as good, but it's a ritual that gets you into the habit of thinking Catholic things. So that's the first, let's say, level. The second level is when you actually start to think about what you're saying. So while you're saying each prayer, you're actually focusing on each word that you're saying and you're, and you're understanding what you're saying. And, you know, the Hail Mary prayer is very simple. <clears throat> I only know it in, in Latin, so I'll have to think about it while I'm translating now. But Ave Maria Gratia Plena. So that, by the way, the, the Hail Mary prayer is all directly from the Bible. So Hail Mary is from, I'm not a Bible guy, so I don't, you know, I don't know the the... the the text, I don't know the, the exact number and which gospel it's in and whatever, but Hail Mary is like when uh, I think it's Elizabeth meets Mary and she says Hail Mary, which was a, a term used to um, um, to greet royalty. That's why she's called the Queen of Heaven and so on. So there's, there's a lot of stuff that most Protestants haven't got a clue about. Um, I, I strongly suggest you listen to the um, unauthorized volume two and three of uh, Professor Rachel Fulton Brown's uh, medieval history because it explains some of this stuff and how it connects even to the Old Testament and so on. So the second level is when you're you're understanding what you're praying. You're saying, Hail Mary, full of grace, God is with you. Uh, blessed are you amongst women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. And then the next line is, Holy Mary, Mother of God, Pray for us sinners now and in the hour of our death. So in essence, it's a request for her prayer for you, for your sinful life and, and sinful thing. Um, and while you think of that, you're thinking, well, I am a sinner and I'm asking Mary to pray for me, you know, because I'm such sort of a lowly creature that, and then as you do the rosary, you, there is also the Our Father in there. There's also the Gloria in there. And there is also the contemplation of the, uh, of the mysteries. So when you're doing a decade of Hail Marys, you're also supposed to consider the various mysteries of, um, of Jesus. And by the way, the, the one that got added after Vatican II is not. It's a fake one, so don't, don't do that one. So there are levels of it. And the, you know, the more higher the level of understanding you get to, the more it becomes a, a genuine, deep prayer, because I can never say Our Father just like blah, 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 reciting it, you know. And I, I don't even say the Hail Marys that way either. It, it is a genuine repetition, which helps to get you into the right mindset to then pray properly. If you have listened to the whole speech that I've, you know, rambling that I've done, you'll know that I was saying there is a scientific way to pray. There is a way to pray that is effective. Doing the rosary is like a baby step to training you to understanding how to pray properly eventually. And a proper prayer, eventual proper prayer, can be very spontaneous, very instantaneous, very clear, and, and it, in your own words, or maybe not even in words, just a really deep connection, you know. There's many ways to pray. In, in that respect, I suggest you read the book called uh, The Cloud of Unknown. An awesome, awesome book. By the way, all the stuff that I'm telling, all the references, they're all in here. So, you know, at the back, you'll see I've got a stack of, of references. So books and, and, and things. So, um,
Okay, I knew there was many things wrong, and God showed me. Yes, that, that, but that's good. That's good. If if you're looking for the truth, you will find the truth. So you, you know, look, I'm I'm not trying to sell you the book. Okay, I don't I don't make my living from my books. Trust me, I I wouldn't be able to buy a coffee every day from the sale of books. But get this, you know, Lori, get this if you want to understand what happened and what went wrong and where Catholics still are and exist. Um, and then you won't feel also so alone and lost, perhaps. And th there's more of us than you think, you know. Got a question. Don't start blowing while I write. Yeah, well, I hope you found your dog, too. Favorite Italian food? Probably tagliata. How should we proselytize the Catholic faith to infidels and heathens? Ah, depends on the heathen, depends on the infidel, it depends on the heretic, it depends on the Protestant, and it depends on you. Ultimately, do it your way. Um, I do it my way. And uh, my way is what works for me, because either people start to get interested or they leave me alone, which is just fine for me. You know, And they sort of go, you're a Catholic, aren't you? And I said, no, no, I'm not just a Catholic, I'm a zealot. I tell them off the band, they're like, oh, what does that mean? No, no, don't confuse me with the Bergoglian, Satanistic, fraudulent scum. And this is to other Catholic, Catholics that convince that they are Catholics. They never ask me again, <laughs> you know, so. Have you been up against the Goju Ryu style in your Shotokan days? Um, yes, I have. They're, they're strong guys, some of them. A bit more, you know, they, they tend to go very hardcore with each other. But technically, they're not as uh, they're often very sloppy. Um, so they're they're more hardcore in general terms, general because the you know some of the Shotokan guys were are not as used to getting punched in the face. But a Shotokan guy that's gone hard, um, I'd say, is is marginally better than a Gojuryu guy, just because the Gojuryu guys concentrate so much on taking and giving hits that they never perfect their uh, their techniques, and therefore they're not as clean, not as quick, not as precise. That's, um, well, Laurie, again, uh, apologies if I went hard at you, because I, you know, the way you were writing was, was tending to make me think that you were a different creature than what you are, so my apologies. Sci-fi question. If one would lay in the lake under the Great Pyramid, could he, she, project their consciousness to the pyramids on Cydonia? I doubt it, because I think that the Giza Pyramid is uh, actually a weapon, and I don't know that there is a lake underneath. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. Dog came back, does not like my speakers. <laughs> Very good. Kurgan, is the new book printed by Amazon up on ordering? Uh, I guess so. I, I don't know. I, I, it's like any other Amazon book. It's uh, All Amazon books are print on demand, so... Whether they actually stockpile a bunch or whether they this this is my um, you can see this this line doesn't exist in the in the finished copies this is my proof um, this is my proof copy and that says not for resale so this is just for me to check that everything was in the right place you know the, the writing and that the the funny thing is they sent me a couple of these proof texts and one of them they missed out six pages at the front it's like the 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 table of contents was incomplete but in all the other ones it's got it so it was just a printing error on that one book on their side so that was weird 
pedophilia is rampant and you're absolutely correct in that because they need to be removed each and every one and pay for their crimes absolutely well good Lori. i think we're on the same page uh probably you were just a bit of a misunderstanding but yeah absolutely the novus orkins are not catholic they are evil and you have to consider that every one of their uh clerics is an intentional satanist that's the only way to look at it um i have met uh, priests of the Novus Orco who I don't believe are Satanists, who I believe they genuinely think they're doing good. I have met such priests, and in fact, I talk about one of them at some length in here. But nevertheless, they are not Catholic priests. They're not priests of our church. Oh, I wasn't being gracious. I'm, I'm a rude and, and rough man, but um, I have absolutely zero problem admitting my mistakes. It's one thing that people often very shocked by, you know, I, I can be a very uh, abrupt and very direct person. But, um, you know, if in the middle of an argument, you know, a serious, heavy argument, somebody can prove to me that I'm wrong right then and then I'll apologize instantly. I've, I've done that before. It's never been an issue for me. So. Um. Thanks for the chat. Cheers. Okay, look, I, I think I've been going for about two hours. I do have a wife and children, so I think I'm going to say goodnight. But thank you all very much for sticking around this long. And uh, again, oh, look, my, my friend, the one downvote. I know who you are. I know who you are. And you're not a Catholic. You're not a Catholic. Educate yourself. Yep, I know who he is. All right. On that note, I'm 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 just saddened that the gamma with the down vote doesn't have the balls to actually type a question out. But other than that, it's been really good, and uh, I really like um, the gentleman that I was speaking with. He uh, he goes by the name of Western Reckoning, and I think it's a very cool cool name. Thank you all. It's very very kind of you to all stick around this long, and uh, hopefully I can make the next one a short one. Hit the like thingy. The dislike still gives your views. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I, he's, I, I live in that man's head. I literally live in his head. I know who he is. He's, he's, he's very upset that I continue to exist. <laughs> it makes me laugh. He reminded me to like the stream. Thanks. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can all just... Every time he gives me a negative down score, go ahead, you, you all vote up. Just do one gamma made a negative Rogan. <laughs> uh, all right, good night all. Have a good one. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not into I'm losing my voice. I don't even like speaking to people normally. You know, this is too, too much for me. <laughs> all right, but thank you very much. And uh, if you, you guys have suggestions, I think on the... On the um, if you're subscribed to my channel on the uh, community thing or something where I where I put that this was going to happen, I think you can make comments there or just drop me a comment, whatever. If there is a particular topic or thing you want to cover, you know, ask. Worst thing that can happen is that I say no or, or ignore it. But, uh, you know, I, I like trying to cater to you guys now that we've cleansed the gammas out pretty much. My channel is pretty clean. And um, I, if I can shed some light i uh, i do so okay good night thank you again very kind of you all